0: Welcome to the Blue Sky Podcast, a tribute to all things Disney, but mostly Walt Disney World. We're your hosts, Ainsley and Jordan, and we're here with episode 6 of our podcast, which is also episode 4, the final part of our mini-series about the Walt Disney World Park weenies. So this one is going to be led by Jordan again, and it is the Chinese Theatre at Hollywood Studios, formerly MGM Studios, for those of you who still call it that, like we sometimes do. So without further ado, I'll pass it over to Jordan to start leading us in some history and fun facts.
1: Alright, so my subtitle I've given this is Controversy, because there's a lot of controversy.
0: Which I didn't know, actually, like I knew about... Well, the hat, controversy. The hat and, and the great movie ride. Okay, fair enough. I guess. There's, there's a
1: lot of controversy, I think. So that was my subtitle. I love it. But I want to start by talking about the original Chinese theater that is in Los Angeles, and it's a movie palace on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Which we've seen. Which Just we fun. have seen, and it's it was quite funny, because obviously, Disney's is a replica of mm-hmm. this Chinese theater, but when we went to... Los Angeles, we went, wow, that looks just like the one in Disney.
0: (laughs) Because it was our frame of reference we saw it first. But that
1: just shows you how well it was done.
0: Yeah, I think after when we, because we knew it came second. So we did acknowledge, wow, they did a really great job replicating this. But our first instinct was, it's just
1: like Disney's. Yeah. So anyways, this, the original building in Los Angeles was built in 1926. And it opened in May of 1927 with the premiere of King of Kings which was directed by Cecil B. DeMille. I
0: don't
1: know if I know that movie. I don't. It was from 1927, so a little bit before us. (laughs) Um, The theater was meant to resemble a huge red Chinese pagoda and to enthrall a local population who didn't have the time or the money to travel to China. Hmm. They wanted to bring a little bit of that culture to Los Angeles and they had to get some special authorization from the government to import temple bells, pagodas, stone heaven dogs, and other artifacts from China to decorate the theater with. And it's known for its distinct architecture of a 40-foot high curved walls with copper top turrets, and there's the legendary forecourt where there are over 200 handprint signatures, Mm -hmm. footprints of popular TV and movie personalities all the way from the 1920s to today. There's also the 10-foot-tall lotus-shaped fountains that welcomes visitors into a world of fantasy and Hollywood. There are two gigantic coral red columns topped by wrought iron masks, and then there's a bronze roof to top it off. It was declared a historical cultural landmark in 1968, and it's held three Academy Award shows and many, many movie premieres. Its capacity is 932 people, and it was converted into an IMAX theater in 2013. Hmm. Every year, there are more than 4 million visitors from all over the world that come to the Chinese theater, and just to name a few of some of the popular movies that have premiered there, there, there's been The Wizard of Oz, West Side Story, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Mary Poppins, Ocean's Eleven, Cheaper by the Dozen, Harry Potter movies, any of the Star Wars movies, Avengers Infinity War... Just to name a few. There's a very, very long list. And Disney specifically, there was the first Silly Symphony, Flowers and Trees, premiered at the Chinese Theater, and Walt and his wife attended Mary Poppins there. And The Jungle Book premiered there just less than a year after Walt's death. So there's been a lot of historical events, and specifically to Disney as well, that have been held at this Chinese Theater.
0: Yeah, I knew Mary Poppins was because of saving Mr. Banks. Um, I don't know if mm-hmm. they actually shot it in front of the actual Chinese theater. Or if they had a set, but you see um, them going in for Mary Poppins, and there's all of the like Disney characters there, and I think Mickey um, walks yeah. traversed down the the carpet. So that yeah, I love that. That's cool. I hope that actually happened. I'm sure it did if it made the movie. But
1: so that brings us to Disney's version of the Chinese theater which opened May 1st, 1989, with MGM Studios. And when Michael Eisner opened it, opened the park, he described it as the Hollywood that never was but always will be. So it was supposed to represent Hollywood as the way it's seen in movies and on postcards and magazines, Mm -hmm. the way everyone imagines themselves in Hollywood.
0: Very idealistic. Yes. So it
1: was giving the illusion of Hollywood glamour to Floridians. And what I find very interesting about Disney's version, is it is a full-scale replica. So it's oh, okay. 96 feet tall, just like the original, and there's no forced perspective.
0: So, that must be, well, I guess the Epcot ball was a use forced perspective, but...
1: Uh, no, but many places yeah. in Disney do, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that. The main street in Magic Kingdom is one of the classic examples. Mm-hmm. They use it in World Showcase, they Everest, use it in Everest. Right, yeah changing the dimensions of things to look different heights than it is but this is actually full scale no force perspective it's the exact size as the original Chinese theatre Cool. and the Disney Imagineers actually used the blueprints from the California theatre to build it like it's exact and Eisner's remarks on opening day was the world you've entered was created by the Walt Disney Company and is dedicated to Hollywood not a place on a map but a state of mind that exists wherever people dream and wonder and imagine a place where illusion and reality are fused by technological magic. We welcome you to a Hollywood that never was and always will be.
0: That's a great line. So very lines, idealistic, like yeah. she said. Yeah.
1: So from 18, 1989 sorry, to 1995, many stars added themselves to the front of Disney's theater, just as they yeah. are in the original, with handprints, footprints, signatures. Opening day, there was Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, and Roger Rabbit, among others, that were immortalized in the pavement. And other stars that were added afterwards included Dick Van Dyke, John Travolta, George Lucas, Robin Williams, Jim Henson, and Kermit the Frog, Betty White, just to name a few. And my last fun fact specifically about this theater is that Hollywood Studios, according to a 2018 statistic, sees 11.3 million guests each year, so that means more guests visit disney world's chinese theater than the original chinese theater That's in california funny. so i thought that was fun
0: that is fun i always forget about roger rabbit like i feel like he was a much um i guess more forefront character back when uh, mgm studios opened
1: because mm-hmm. they were gonna
0: have a roger rabbit ride in mgm studios originally and they have one in
1: disneyland
0: yeah but not disney world so uh at first, his name kind of, like, stuck out at me because I was thinking, oh, it's the Fab Five, if you are yeah. And then I was like, and oh, Roger Rabbit. I'm Roger Rabbit. But yeah. uh, he, he was a star in his right, mm-hmm. and so I guess it does make sense he was there.
1: So this brings us to our first controversy, the Sorcerer Hat. <laughs> so due to marketing rights, Disney wasn't actually allowed to use the Chinese theater in, like, marketing material. So so they
0: can't go on any, like, park brochure or anything. Yeah,
1: it wasn't used, like, you see the castle yeah. advertised or Spaceship Earth. They weren't allowed to use it. So they were using the Earful Tower as the park icon.
0: Oh, that's right. In marketing. Yeah.
1: yeah. But in 2001, that changed, made they built the Sorcerer Hat, which they put right in front of the Chinese theater, the giant blue Sorcerer Hat.
0: Yeah, it really was right in it front, right of, in front of it. It was
1: right in front of it. From the 1940s film Fantasia, obviously. And this was a lot of controversy. It was a very polarizing hat. <laughs> and it was originally put there as part of the 100 Years of Magic celebration. So that was Walt's 100th birthday. Okay. And there was interactive kiosks that were installed underneath the hat where guests could go in and learn about Walt's life and his career. Oh, I didn't know that. And then, unfortunately, after that, it mainly just became a pin kiosk yeah, for most say, of I its life. I remember it
0: as a pin kiosk. <laughs> yeah. And then there were
1: some stage shows in front of it, but mm-hmm. it was mainly a pin kiosk for most of its career until it was removed in twenty fifteen.
0: And it was put there when, sorry? Two thousand and one. Oh it had quite a long It had a
1: long life. go. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember we were upset to see it go. Because
0: it was it, all we knew.
1: Yeah, because when in two thousand and one we were when it was put in, we were quite young. So we grew up going to see the Sorcerer hat as MGM studios. Mm-hmm. So we were quite upset to see that go but now I also see why people are upset they plopped this that giant thing
0: yeah.
1: in the yeah that came in the first place right in front of the Chinese theater
0: because it I mean I know Fantasia is um like a popular Disney movie so in that sense I understand why you would pick the hat but it does seem uh, a bit out of place with the whole Hollywood theme and like thinking of Eisner's kind of dream for what MGM Studios was supposed to be like
1: It's not very Hollywood
0: to me to have this giant hat.
1: And I I do think Hollywood Studios has always had a bit of an identity crisis. And the hat doesn't really fit with the original intention of the park and the way Michael Eisner described it. No, Mm. the hat doesn't really make sense. But the park keeps changing so much. that, And the hat is from such a popular Mm. and important movie that it kind of makes sense. The other thing I do like about the hat, though... It's just that it's Disney and more creative than just an exact replica of something else.
0: Yeah, that's which true. I had
1: never really thought of until I was looking into it and reading about how it literally is the exact thing just plopped into Disney World. That must
0: be one of the few times they've
1: yeah. done that, because
0: Disney doesn't usually copy anything. They'll in be inspired by yeah. things and like the village leading into um like the Everest mountain again like how that drew on Nepal I believe quite heavily but yeah, it's not a like castle is drawn on mm-hmm. other existing castles but this is the only time I know of where they
1: just completely copied something so I kind of like the hat for that reason that it was Disney's own thing
0: mm-hmm. but I
1: also like the look and the the meaning kind of what the Chinese theater represents so
0: it certainly opened up pick. that walkway when you come in it did <laughs> yeah it's uh the hat was a, bit a little nice invasive lines, <laughs>
1: <maybe>. <laughs> yeah so now that the hat is gone we still can't use the Chinese theater in marketing so it's kind of gone back to the Earful Tower and a
0: lot of Star Wars right now and a lot of Tower to of Terror oh that's right yeah.
1: yeah so I think Disney officially uses the Earful Tower but I've also seen a lot of Park images that use Tower of Terror. Yes, I just Google image to see what would come up today. Disney four parks, and I saw the castle, Spaceship Earth, Mm -hmm. the tree,
0: and it's always Tower and Tower of
1: Terror. So that's kind of interesting. So still having an identity crisis. (laughs) (laughs) So that brings us to my next section, which is about the great movie ride. Rest in peace.
0: Uh, I did love that
1: ride. It was a great ride that was housed inside the Chinese Theater. And it was about a 20-minute-long dark ride, just quite long. Mm-hmm. And the queue going into the ride had movie memorabilia and a lot of props and costumes from famous movies. And some of the most notable ones that they've had—they changed throughout the years. But there was Mary's carousel from Mary Poppins. There was Susan's costume from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. There was Indiana Jones' machete, and there was a dress from Julie Andrews from The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. So there's all these exhibits you could walk through and look at these different props from movies. And then at the end, there was a giant screen in the last mm-hmm. room showing famous movie clips. And then you would enter your car and start the ride. And the ride is a combination of animatronics, sets, actors, special effects, and projections to recreate iconic movies from 12 classic films. And there was over 50 audio animatronics throughout the ride, which is quite a lot.
0: That must be one of the attractions with the most audio animatronics. Mm -hmm. I would think, like pirates. I think pirates has more, Um, and the Hall of Presidents, obviously. Yeah,
1: Um, it's a lot, and it was 1989, so it was very impressive, mm -hmm. Imagineering work at that time when it came out as well. And at the very start of the ride, you over here, ready when you are, CB, and that is a tribute to the director I mentioned at the start. With the first movie that premiered at the Chinese theater, King of Kings, was directed by Cecil B. DeMille. So, Ready When You Are, CB, is just an ode to that director. that's
0: fun. I didn't know that. Mm
1: -hmm. So, my question for you is, how many films can you name that you go through in The Great Movie Ride? You go through 12 films.
0: Okay, so I know there's that huge Wizard of Oz scene. hmm That's kind of working backwards. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's Singing in the Rain.
1: hmm
0: There's Tarzan. There's Casablanca. Yeah. Um, there's Alien. Mm-hmm. There is Public Enemies. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, there's that Western one. I don't know what it is called, but I know there's a Western one, um.
1: There's another one you should know. There's Fantasia. Right? Then another one you should know. Think about the tour guide when they come. Oh, there's Indiana Jones. Yes. Um, So you missed Footlight Parade. That's That's the one one with the
0: girls at the very start.
1: Yeah, Yeah, the girls. And then Singing the Rain, and then Mary Poppins, then Public Enemy. Oh, Mary Poppins. You said Mary Poppins, didn't I? I think you did. Okay, we'll see. Then it's A Fistful of Dollars, The Searchers, Alien, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Tarzan, Casablanca, Fantasia, and then Wizard of Oz. Okay, I didn't so you, know So you did pretty well. I didn't really know the Western ones either. No. I had to look those up. So you go through those 12 movie scenes, and you would stop in one of two rooms, either in the gangster scene or in the Western scene, where your tour guide would end up in a shootout with live actors that would come out from the ride, and you would end up getting your vehicle hijacked, you would lose your tour guide... And either the mobster or the western cowboy or cowgirl would take over your vehicle until you got to the Indiana Jones scene when they would get out, try to steal the jewel, and you'd get your tour guide back, which was a very fun, interactive That's what I was going to say. It was a really
0: fun addition to the ride that just, I don't know, it kind of captured the audience a little bit more. And like people had a certain one of those scenes that they preferred to stop in, and they would try to get both. Like it was very fun.
1: It's also very startling, or was very startling the first time, because some of the audio animatronics are very lifelike, yes, that's true. and then suddenly there is a real person, you're like, wait a minute, yeah. is that real, or is that not real, and you're not really sure.
0: The only thing I will say is it was much better closer to the front, when you were in the back yeah. of that trim, you did feel quite far away, um, so sometimes it was a bit hard to kind of see and hear what was going on.
1: Yeah, and I do think that is a little bit of what added to maybe taking away the Great movie ride, because it was a lot of cost to have that many Mm -hmm. cast members always working constantly. But, anyways, I don't know all the details of
0: why they took it out. Well, I do think, and maybe you're going to say this, but part of the reason was just to keep younger audiences interested. It was a really difficult and expensive maintenance to be updating those scenes. Yes. So, like, we're really attached to it, because we grew up with that ride, and, like, we do remember uh, many of the movies, but I guess, like, if... You're the younger generation. You wouldn't know those movies at all. Yeah, and you really wouldn't care. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, true. I was very heartbroken when it left, but mm-hmm. if I try to put on my uh, like objective hat, I can understand the financial um, and marketing kind of side behind and it. Who you're,
1: the audience you're reaching was getting narrower.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So after you get your tour guide back, you go through the Wizard of Oz scenes, and then it finishes with a great montage. And this they do, Mm -hmm. they did update pretty frequently. Yeah. A big montage of great movies, new and old, over the ages. That was such a fun montage. Live action and animation. You'd see your favorite characters flashing across the screen. It was awesome. Very exciting. And some other fun facts about the ride specifically is the track length was uh, 1,926 feet, Which is very specific, but also 1926 was the year the Chinese theater was built. Mm. So probably not a coincidence. No, I can't imagine it was. (laughs) It's also, that show building is 95,000 square feet. I know you and I looked at it recently on like a bird's eye view looking at a map and we were like, this building is huge. And you don't notice when you're walking around the park. I don't know
0: how they hide buildings like that so well.
1: It's massive and they hide it really well. The only ride I could find that has a show building larger than that was Pirates in Disneyland is 112,000 square feet. Really? That's the only one? I couldn't find the size of Disney World's Pirates. I imagine Mm -hmm. it's very similar. But other than Pirates, that was the largest one I could find. Another...
0: I'm surprised Star Wars maybe wouldn't be. The new Rise of the Resistance. Yeah,
1: I couldn't find anything for like the really brand new stuff. Fair enough. It was actually harder than I expected to find... size. To find areas. <laughs> it wasn't really a well-documented thing on the internet. So I found Pirates is bigger, but this is definitely one of the largest show buildings. So uh, some of the facts I have here is in the alien scene, and I never noticed this, probably because I was always terrified in the <laughs> alien scene and just looking for the alien... But if you are able to look to the left, there's a computer screen that shows the crew list. And it's actually listing names of Imagineers that worked oh. on the great movie ride. And the Sorcerer's Apprentice scene, where you kind of go through the tunnel with, like, mm-hmm. the swirling buckets and everything. It was originally supposed to be another Wizard of Oz scene, and it was going to be the tornado. Okay. But due to some contract obligations, they could only do the scene that they have now. They wanted to actually do several Wizard of Oz scenes, and then they couldn't. They had to reduce it. So that was going to be the Wizard of Oz tornado scene, and then they changed it into Fantasia and made it the Sorcerer's Apprentice scene, which I think is great. And then we said goodbye to the Great Movie Ride in August of 2017, and at that time, it was the last remaining opening day attraction in Hollywood Studios.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. There's no There's no more. Wow, I but it no did idea. not
1: open with very many attractions. There was like two yeah. shows, two tours. Well, it was a half-day park,
0: right? That's yeah. what everyone kind of called it.
1: And it's just had so many updates that there's no original opening day attractions left.
0: Wow, you're right. there has been a bit of an identity issue. It's yes. not a <laughs> finding of its feet, if you will.
1: <laughs> so that is our the next controversy with the Chinese mm. Theater is replacing the Great mm, Movie yeah. Ride with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway which just opened in March 2020, so we have not yet been there. We would have been there in June, but unfortunately, due to the circumstances, we could not go, so we have yet to ride this. But it was the first ride in Disney World to star Mickey and Friends, which is shocking,
0: yeah, it is considering
1: surprise. how long Disney's been open. So there was a lot of controversy with closing the Great Movie Ride. As we said, we understand why they did it. A lot of people were sad, though, and it makes a lot of sense to have a ride with Mickey, of course. Yep, absolutely. But then again, the identity of Hollywood Studios doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah, I wouldn't have put it in
0: Hollywood Studios, yeah. but... I
1: don't think it makes sense
0: in the Chinese theater, per se. No. and But... Well, I guess that's why, and um, sorry if you're going to say this, if I understand correctly, I think it's supposed to be different kind of cartoon scenes it feels like you're in. like You, you go into, into a, a cartoon.
1: So you I are going into the movies. So I guess they try to make it... Yeah, exactly. That's true. You're going
0: into the movies, but that would that be... That the only kind of connection I see to the theater yeah yeah and Mickey
1: was the original star yeah that's movie true star so it does make sense but it obviously caused a lot of controversy for mm-hmm. people that felt attached to the great movie ride but since we have not written this attraction ourselves I'm just going to read what uh Disney has written about it on their website okay where it says that you burst into Mickey and Minnie's world and the darling duo are taking a leisurely drive to a picnic in their sporty roadster with engineer Goofy's train following Merrily along. Plot twist, you get to go too. This is where you get to jump into the cartoon. You climb aboard a runaway railway and embark on a whirlwind ride through a world where the rules of physics don't apply. Prepare for unexpected twists, slapstick gags, and mind-boggling transformations at every turn as Mickey and Minnie try to save the day. So, from reading that and not being on it, we also haven't... Well, I haven't looked at it on YouTube, because so I don't want to spoil it for myself, so... I have,
0: but I won't I don't say know. Much.
1: <laughs> I don't know much about it, but from that, it does sound like they're kind of going back to those original cartoons, and there used to be a lot of, mm-hmm. kind of slapstick comedy and mm-hmm. gags with like the shorts and things like that. So, I do like that they're going back. I know the cartoon, uh, the animation is different. That's what I was going to say. It's very different. Despite
0: kind of going back maybe in concept, like, is definitely not one of the more original Mickey, mouse, and friend looks and feel, Um, which I think maybe is also part of the controversy, and I think Disney thought really hard about which Mickey to use because different kind of generations Mm -hmm. have grown up with different Mickeys, so I don't know, I guess, what the right answer is. I wouldn't have picked the one they picked necessarily, but...
1: I'm excited to see it, though. Mm -hmm. So I guess when you go in, you start by watching the premiere of the Mickey cartoon, Perfect Picnic. And then you get to enter the ride. So Kevin Rafferty, always bringing up Kevin, one of our favorite Imagineers. He, he just one of the Imagineers that worked on this ride said, guests then pass through a simulated movie screen where they will experience a zippy, zany, out of control adventure.
0: And I've heard a lot of people say that the like theme song for this ride is awesome. Like gets yes. stuck in your head. People uh, really love the theme song. I've heard mixed reviews on the ride itself. Um, the negatives I've heard without kind of giving anything away is just they thought maybe some of the trackless ride features could have been played up a bit more um maybe a bit different use of space um especially because it's such as you said such a large uh show building they had a lot of space in space, space but like in height too so um those were just some of the comments I've heard, but, uh, like, Lou Mangiello, one of our favorite podcasts listened listen to, I think he had quite positive reviews about it.
1: Yeah, I've heard people loved it, and I have heard people love the song. Kevin was hyping mm-hmm. up the song, and it delivered, so. The other thing I'm excited about, though, to ride it and see what kind of Easter eggs they have left from the Great mm-hmm. Movie Ride, because I have already heard of a few, or, like, write about them online, and I know okay. every time... And yeah, they do always Disney do that, replaces right? something, they'll leave little things for you to find if you're looking in the right places, so... I'm excited to see what tributes they've left behind to remember the great movie ride. And, yeah, that wraps up all my controversies about Mm -hmm. the Chinese theater.
0: Well, that was really interesting. I learned a lot of things I didn't know. I think my favorite fact was the length of the – was it the track? The track, yeah. Because, like, what a kind of obscure detail. Like, no one – ever would really need to know that or care how long the track is but like that's just such a disney thing to make it still a meaningful aspect of the ride even if only like the imagineers get a kick out of it so i think that's really funny
1: do you have a favorite thing about the chinese theater
0: um about the building itself any of it? I think the building itself. I just love the colors of yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's a really like look, beautiful <laughs> backdrop. I do
1: like now that the hat's gone when you walk in mm-hmm. to Hollywood Studios and the, just the look of it. It the architecture is just so nice and it does feel very Hollywood.
0: I'd agree with that, and I do always like going and seeing whose like handprints or footprints are there, especially because it has like different Disney characters, as you alluded to. So I always think that's fun to to look out for. All right. Well, that wraps up. Our final episode of the mini series. Thanks for joining us if you've listened to all four. If not, do go back. Uh, this was, as we said, the final of the mini series. So we also covered Cinderella Castle, the Tree of Life, and Spaceship Earth. And uh, if you don't already, please do connect with us on Blue Sky Podcast at Instagram um we post routinely on there including different Disney history facts of the day or if you just want to connect with us we'd love to hear from you and hear your thoughts so thank you so much and uh please tune in to our next episode